Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our very good friends at Alumni Hall. New back-to-back national championship gear is flying onto the shelves. New stuff coming in each and every day. So if you're like me and you're still in the market for some national championship gear and you can't get enough of it, there is no better place to get your gear than at Alumni Hall. So make sure to check them out, guys. And we might have some very exciting information to share with you guys about Alumni Hall later on in the show. So make sure to be listening for that. But for now, let's go ahead and get this thing started. I am your host, Tyler, and today, my goal on this episode is just to have some fun. That's what I want to do. Yes, I am itching to go ahead and start looking ahead to the 2023 football season, like a lot of you. I know a lot of you are, because I've heard from a lot of you on social media, but I am trying to resist that at least for the short term. I'm trying to live more in the moment these days. I'm getting older. I'm trying to live more in the moment and appreciate the good days as much as I can. And really, guys, more than anything, after the just outright heartbreaking and tragic news of this past weekend, I really just thought we could all use a pick-me-up. I know I can't make anything better. I can't, but I can at least try to conjure up some good memories and, and maybe put a smile on your face today. So that's that's what I'm trying to do on today's episode. Uh, this is going to be a, a retrospective episode where I take a look back at the 10 most important plays of Georgia's back-to-back championship season. Emphasis on the most important part of that. And we aren't really a big list podcast. We've done lists in the past, especially during COVID, where we were just trying to give you guys some content and we had to get creative. So we, we've done some lists in the past, but this is not something that we do on the regular, but when you do it, it's like any list that's ever made, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's on a website, whether it's in a magazine or whatever, this is one person's list. This is my list. There are no right or wrong answers. This kind of thing is very subjective by nature, and that's the beauty of it, because you can argue forever about it, and, and that can be fun, right? I did, I want to be honest at the outset here before I go through the list, I did try to spread the love around to as many different games as I could. That was a tough exercise because really was it all but maybe two or two to three of our games were just complete laughers, blowouts. 
which meant that most games that we played this year, the vast majority of them, didn't really have like individual plays that in isolation on their own had an outsized impact on the outcome of our seasons. So I tried to spread the love. Um, I don't know how successful I was. So I just want to put that out there. So if you're wondering, like, why did this why did this play not make it? Why did this play make it? I'm trying to spread the love a little bit as much as I can. So we talk about some different games and different plays that uh, we all love to watch all season long. So I'm sure I'm missing something, guys. Like it's, it's inevitable when you do something like this that one of you will hit me up on social media and be like, dude, how could you read this play? And I'll be like, oh my God, what was I thinking? That almost always happens when we've ever done any list. So I'm sure that's going to happen again. Um, and, and the reality is this is this was kind of a last minute idea. I uh, I really wanted to do what I could to put some good vibes out there. And I you know, I, I had an idea. Like we had content planned. We have our, our schedule for the next month. And I had an, I had a, an episode planned planned that was not this but in light of what happened um with Devin Willick and and Chandler LaCroix with their just very untimely and heartbreaking passings over the weekend I just I I didn't want to do like a a full-on normal hey let's do a deep dive into 2023 I didn't want to do that kind of episode I just wanted to to just try to have some fun and remind people of some of the good times um so yeah that's that's why I'm doing this one today and I don't know if I got it right, this is my, again, this is my list. I spent uh, an hour or so trying to come up with some plays. I thought about it all day long and sat down when I got home and uh, just tried to put together a list. And so this is what I came up with. I'm sure, again, I'm missing something. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Tell me what you agree with, what you disagree with. You might think I left out a play. You might think a play should have been higher or lower on my list. I'm sure there's some sort of glaring ambition. So just let me know. Let me know on social media. Again, that's at glory underscore UGA on Twitter. You can also email us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram. Just look up gloryugapodcast, and we would love to hear from you guys. Have some conversation about it. But we're going to go ahead and get started, guys. We're going to start out at the bottom at number 10 and work our way up. I will tell you at the outset, all five of the plays inside my top five are from the Peach Bowl victory over Ohio State. I think that just makes sense, right? Think about it, that was by far the closest game that we played against. You could argue Missouri, but we, we, you know, it was a different animal against Ohio State, different caliber team, different moment, right? Different kind of stakes in that game. So that's why I have every one of the, the plays in the top five from the Peach Bowl is because that game just has an outsized importance on our season. And there are so many plays. Like if each of them don't happen, we probably don't win that game. So that's why the entire top five is from the Peach Bowl. But there is nothing in plays six through 10 from the Peach Bowl. So we, we tried, that's where I really tried to kind of spread the love around a little bit. So let's start at number 10. And the reason this play is all the way down at the bottom at number 10 is because this is a game that we ended up winning by three touchdowns. We won this game 50 to 30. But at the time this play happened, we had no idea the score was going to be 50 to 30. It was still very much in doubt because it was very early in the game. And I'm talking about Chris Smith's 96-yard blocked field goal return against LSU. I feel like even though this is a game that we ended up winning, yes, by three touchdowns, 50 to 30, this was a big play in this game, and it kind of got us going in the right direction. This is the first quarter. LSU's moving the ball. Like they're, they're in field goal position here. They came out to play, guys. Like LSU, like they were outmanned for sure, but they came out swinging, and with this play, we hit them with a massive counterpunch right off the bat. It kind of just took the air out of this team. So it's first quarter. It's 0-0. They're trying to be the ones to, to strike first blood, but we blocked the field goal. Chris Smith looks at it, 
not sure if he should pick it up. He's thinking in the back of his mind. Kirby's told me, as he said after the game, don't pick it up, don't pick it up, don't pick it up, unless you know you're going to score. He looks at the ref. Ref kind of shrugs his shoulder like, huh? I don't know, man. And Chris is like, all right, man, I'm doing this. Picks the ball up. Boom. 96-yard block. Field goal return against LSU. Start the game off 7-0 when they were on a drive. like they, I think it was their second drive. We made them punt their first drive. Second drive, they were putting together a nice little drive there. So I, I had to put this on the list because this was for a championship, an SEC championship, and those don't come every single year. They've been rather elusive for us. You know, we've been on this fantastic run, but winning SEC titles hasn't been the easiest thing for us. We, we've had some issues there in those games. So I know that it was not the national championship. I know it was not a playoff semifinal game. I know that even if we had lost this football game, we were still going to be in the college football playoff. I understand that. But still, this was for a championship, and even though this is a game that we won by 20 points, this was a play that really set the tone from the beginning and got us off to that start. Now they come back and, and they're going to score, but when then we really take control in the second quarter and it's it's a it's a laugher by halftime. But this is a big play. I remember being there in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and you know me, guys. I'm always nervous in every game, and like I, even though I knew that we were significantly better than LSU, as we said in the lead up to that game, you know you just never know. You never know. They had nothing to lose, and. They're driving. I'm sitting there biting my fingernails like, oh my God, you know, what's going to like, what's going on? And then boom, block it. Chris picks it up next thing. I'm like, I'm like, what is he doing? Wait, 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 is that ball live? And he goes for a touchdown and we're all losing our minds inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So great times. And that came in at number 10 on my list of most important plays. Coming in number nine, let's go to Starkville, Mississippi. Freezing Starkville, Mississippi. Just a weird place, guys. I, I said it after the after that game. I think we did an episode, right? Like a, a road trip recap episode to Starkville because that's not a place that we go on a regular basis. And I know we had some people on social media asking me like what the trip was like. And I wanted to kind of just come on there and give you a quick little recap of the trip. And, and it was just weird. It was if you missed if you didn't listen to the episode, it's a weird place. I got there. So I stayed in Tuscaloosa and drove, you know, what's an hour or so over to Starkville in the morning. You get there and GPS, you know, Google Maps takes you in a route and like you turn left onto the street and it's just like a residential neighborhood and it's got a little church there, a couple of homes. They're like, and it says like the university is 0.1 mile away, like 0.2 miles away. And you're like, this cannot be possible. Like, where are you taking me? There's no way Mississippi State's just right down the road. And then boom, out of nowhere, you see these giant buildings. It's like, oh my God, it just comes out of nowhere. You park, start walking. I'm there. Um, I try to get to the bar when the bar opened at 11 o'clock because I'm not tailgating outside, man. Cold. It's too cold, man. I'm not traveling all that stuff anyway. So I'm trying to find a bar. There ain't many bars in Starkville. So I want to make sure I was there early enough to be like the first one in so that I can get my seat, my prime viewing, so I can watch all the TVs, all the games I want to watch. That's how I do things, guys. So um, I'm there. It's 10 o'clock. Bar opens at 11. I know I got to walk, you know, across campus a little bit to get to the place. And uh, I'm walking through campus, walk past the stadium, and it is dead silent. Like nothing. No one. Don't see a soul. And it's crazy, man. Like you guys know what a game day is like in Athens. At like 6 a.m., like I go running in the morning for game day. It's my longer. It's my long run of the week. It's my game day run. And I mean, I'm running early in the morning, guys. And I'm seeing folks everywhere, you know, seven o'clock in the morning, like packed up, tailgating. Like you can't look around anywhere without seeing a, a bunch of folks, right? Cars everywhere, 
Not the case in Starkville, man. It was just, man, I can't, it's weird. It's weird. Like, I've never, I go to all these road games, guys. I've never seen a game like that. I know it was a night game, but it doesn't matter. Other campuses are not like that. It was just weird. But anyway, very cold place. Very cold place. And this is a game, obviously, we ended up winning, what, 45-19 is the final score. So you're probably like, Tyler, how is like any single play from that game on your list? Well, let's just hear me out on this one. So number nine on my list is Lad McConkey's 70-yard touchdown run against Mississippi State to open the third quarter. And let me explain this, guys. So at that point, I know what the final score was. I know it was a massive margin, right? 45-19. But at that point, at halftime, we were only up 17-12. Let's not forget that. And I'm not freaking out because I thought I felt like we controlled the entire first half. We were clearly the better team, but you're on the road in a hostile environment in a place that does where you don't ever really play. They don't see you play very much. You're the defending national champion. You're number one in the country. You're gonna get their best shot. And all it takes like the fans really were not loud at all for most of the first half, but they were right at the end of the half. Let's not forget what happened there. We just surrendered momentum. We were dominating the first half. We'd missed a few plays here and there, but we were in control of that game. But we surrendered all that momentum with a punt return for a touchdown that we allowed with 48 seconds left before the half. So they cut it to 17-12, okay? They went for two after the punt return touchdown and did not get it, or it would have been a three-point game going to halftime. So we give all that momentum, and then like when we get the ball back, we get, you know, we have a veteran quarterback, Stetson Bennett. We all know and love Stetson. We gave him a chance to try to make something happen before the half, see if we get some points before we go into the locker room. And then he almost turns it over again right before half. Kirby wasn't happy about it, made it, it was a really poor decision. And it's like, man, we have lost all momentum. Now you're kind of reeling a little bit going to halftime. Their fans are fired up coming out in the second half. And this touchdown to Ladd, it was second and five. And we run a little end around to Ladd. We fake the truck sweep. I think it was to Kenny. And we have Ladd coming to motion from the slot. And we just toss the ball to him on, on an end around. Not a reverse. It always drives me crazy. It's not a reverse unless you hand the ball to somebody and he hands it off to another person. It's an end around. So it's an end around. And Darnell is out in front blocking. Ladd does a great job of setting the play up. He kind of fakes as he's like going to take the edge around the outside of Darnell. And the, the DB that was unblocked kind of takes an angle that way, and then Ladd real quickly cuts it back inside. A guy grabs his foot. Ladd pulls up and pulls his foot out, and boom, he's off the race. is gone. 70-yard touchdown run right out the gate to open the second half, which is huge because now that gives us some breathing room, and that took all the momentum that we had lost right before the half, and we completely regained all of that immediately in the second half, and we just turned on the Jets from there, and we turned that momentum um, into a 28-7 second half route of Mississippi State, and uh, win going away, and, and we, we probably would have won regardless of that, irregardless of that play, but. That was a huge play in that game, in my opinion, because they were coming, guys. They were trying, like they were trying. The fans were trying to get them into that game. They were, you see them on the on the sidelines there. They were fired up. They were jumping the sidelines, dancing, doing that thing. And Lad said, "Hold my beer, not so fast." Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, next up. Let's go to the biggest game of the college football regular season. I guess you could maybe argue the Michigan-Ohio State game. I feel like the George-Tennessee game was far more hyped than the Ohio State-Michigan game was, considering all the hype that Tennessee had in general. Maybe that's just the echo chamber of Twitter and just hearing the Tennessee fans talk all that trash for a couple of weeks. Maybe that's just me, but I'd say one of the two biggest games of the regular season in Georgia Bulldog World, which is where I, I reside happily, this was the biggest game of the year. And there are a couple of plays from this game that have ended up on my list. The first one, though, is late in the game. All right, nine minutes, 43 seconds left in the game. We're in the fourth quarter. Tennessee is driving. We are up 27-6. We have a comfortable lead here, 21 points. But Tennessee's driving. They're in desperation mode. They have the ball on our 19-yard line. They put together a little bit of a decent drive here. It is now third and six. We call a star, a slot DB blitz, a star blitz, with Javon Buller, which we were just murdering them on in that game. The rain is coming down. At this point, the rain is still coming down pretty hard. He doesn't see Javon. Javon hits him from the blind side. Boom, sack. That then sets up a fourth and long, which they are unable to convert. And you're probably again saying, Tyler, it's a 21-point game. How is this play on your list? I can call this one of the most important plays. Well, just hear me out on this one. If Tennessee scores a touchdown there, all of a sudden this game gets interesting because on the very next drive, their next drive, they did score a touchdown to cut the game 27-13. If they would have scored a drive here, they were on our 19-yard line, guys. They were in the red zone. They were in the red zone. It's third and six. They have a chance to, to, to make this potentially a game. If they would have scored there and then followed up with another drive, with another score on that next drive, which they did in reality score on that drive, all of a sudden it's, it's 27-20. It's 27-20. And when they get the ball back for their final drive with three minutes and 47 seconds left, instead of it being 27-13, where they really have no chance to win, would take a, a true miracle for them to win that game. All of a sudden, now the pressure's on us. The pressure is on them when it's 27-13 with three minutes and 47 seconds left. If it's 27-20, rain coming down, the pressure's on us. The pressure's on us there. It's a different story. Maybe Tennessee's offense has more confidence. Maybe they're calling the plays differently. Maybe they have a different feel and things play out differently. You never know. Probably not, but you never know. It certainly would have made the game far more interesting. And the bottom line is that game was critical. If we do not win that game, we do not go to the SEC Championship game. We do If we don't make it to the SEC Championship game, we probably don't make it to the college ball playoff. I mean, you never know. It would have been tough. So Tennessee, they would have had a loss to South Carolina, a really bad loss to South Carolina, but they would have beaten us. They'd already beaten LSU in the regular season. If they beat LSU in the, in the SEC championship game, well, I mean, Tennessee's in, right? You got to think Tennessee's in. And then it's Georgia and Ohio State. Like, does Georgia get in over Ohio State? Probably. I guess we still probably get in Ohio State because our loss to Tennessee wouldn't have been a blowout loss. It was a loss at home, like Michigan beat Ohio State in Columbus, but they got blown out. So we probably still sneak in. We had that great victory against Oregon, but 
it certainly would have been a closer call. It would have been a, certainly been a closer conversation there. But at the time, we did not know how that was going to play out. I was convinced if we lost that game, we had zero chance to get the college football playoff. Like I, I probably ended up being wrong there. But at the time, I was like, this is like all or nothing. Like we gotta win this game. Like we we can screw around and and lose to Kentucky. Like that would suck. I don't want that. But like we gotta be we gotta be Tennessee because if we don't be Tennessee, we ain't playing the SEC championship game. And if we don't play the SEC championship game, I don't know, man. It's gonna t- we're gonna need some help. And we got that we got that help because Ohio State lost to Michigan. But we would have certainly needed some help there. So that's coming in at number eight. Coming in at number seven. Now, this is one, when I was thinking about this, like when I had the idea for this episode in my head, like initially, I felt this play was going to be way higher on my list. But as I sat down to actually rank them, I basically listed all the plays out, and then I went about ranking them. I moved it a little bit further down my list. I thought this would be like inside my top three at first, like definitely the top five for sure. But no, it ended up at number seven, and I will explain why. And the play I'm talking about here is Malachi Starks, Columbia, Missouri, tracking down running back Cody Schrader, catching him on the one yard line. Five minutes, 25 seconds left in the second quarter. It was a 63 yard run, but it wasn't a 64 yard run. It was a 64 yard run. I don't know if we win this game, guys, because a score there, if Schrader gets that one extra yard, if Malachi does not turn on the Jets and hustle his tail off to make that play the one yard line, that makes the game 20 to three. That means it's a three-score game with a little bit more than three minutes to go in the first half, right? Or I guess a little bit more than five minutes to go in the first. I guess when they actually kicked the field goal was three minutes, but that would have been five minutes ago in the first half. That's a 17-point game, guys. Now, it wouldn't have mattered if we don't get the stop there. We got lucky because when Malachi makes this play, and this is why we have to hustle, guys. Even if it's the one-yard line, you never know what's going to happen. You never know. You guys saw, I'm sure some of y'all watch NFL playoffs. I'm not a big NFL guy, but y'all know what happened watching that game on Sunday, the Ravens against the Bengals. The Ravens on the one-yard line going to the score at 17-17. It's all tied late in the game. They're going to the score. And what happens? Quarterback tries to reach the ball over the goal line. Gets knocked out of his hands. Bengals pick it up. Go 99 yards for a touchdown. The decisive touchdown. They win 24-17. So anything can happen. And what happened there is we got a false start call. They, they got a false start. Move the ball back to the six-yard line. We bowed our necks. We played great red zone defense the entire year. Maybe none more, no more important red zone stops than, than this one are certainly up there. And they get the field goal. But that only makes it a 13-point game. Still a two-score game. We go down the field. We get a field goal right before half. And just psychologically, guys, there's something different about going into the half down 16-6 as opposed to 20-6. There's just something different about that, right? So that was a huge, huge play in the game. Like I told you guys coming out of that out of that game on our recap episode that if we were lost that game, we probably don't make the college football playoff again. At that time, you don't have all the information. Like you just don't know what's going to happen with Ohio State, Michigan, TCU losing. Like, you just don't know what the Tennessee losing to South Carolina. You don't know what all is going to happen. Alabama losing to LSU. I was sitting in the stands. I've told you guys many times, just trying to like do the math in my head, doing the calculus. Like, how do we get in if we lose this game? Because I mean, most of the game I thought we were going to lose because we were just like, playing so poorly. Things are going against us, and I'm just sitting there shaking my head. And this was one of those plays. Like when Malachi made this play, I was like, okay, okay. All right, and then we got the stop. I was like, okay, that might have just saved our season. And looking back in retrospect, this is why it's number seven. It didn't save our season in retrospect, now that we know how things played out and who lost and how the rest of the, the country shook out. 
because I still think we make the playoffs even if we lose this game. Because if we lose this game, we still beat Tennessee. Yeah, it's one loss. It's a bad loss. Tennessee ends up losing to us, and they lose to South Carolina. We get an SEC championship game probably, certainly, with even with a loss here. If we beat LSU, with that win over LSU, went over Tennessee, it went over Oregon the way that we beat them, I still think we get in the college football playoff. So that's why I had to drop it down a little bit. It did not ultimately end up having the importance that I thought it would in the moment coming out of that game, walking back to the hotel in Columbia. But still, regardless, that's a huge play. We certainly don't go undefeated without that play. In my opinion, I do not think that we go undefeated without that play. And that's um, that's something that uh, Malachi deserves a lot of credit for, especially as a freshman, tracking that play down and, and really, really, really making one of the all-time hustle plays for Georgia. All right, coming in number six. Now, this one, I actually switched it up a little bit. Initially... I had a different play from this game. So this is, we're going back to the Tennessee game. And you guys remember the big sack that Jalen Carter had, right? Early in that game, um, in the first quarter. And I thought it was a sack. I'm still convinced it was a sack. That's just poor officiating, just horrible. That, that was certainly a sack. Certainly a sack. They didn't call it a sack, whatever. I had that on my list at first. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, wait a minute. Like, yeah, that was a huge play. But sacks happen a lot. Like, Jalen Carter, he's awesome. We know that. Jalen Carter's the beast. Like, those things are far more common than the play that set that up which was Brett Thorson's 75-yard punt that wasn't down the one-yard line, that rolled out of bounds at the one-yard line. Again, at the time, we did not know how the rest of the things around the country are going to play out. At the time, I was thinking, like, this is the biggest play, one of the biggest plays of the season. Like, I was thinking, that and Malachi Starks, like, these are the biggest plays of the season. Like, that's incredible. Because I know, like, we ended up winning that game. We dominated. Like, at least I felt like we dominated. But at the time, the first quarter, remember, they score first, right? Get that field goal. We're up 7-3. Uh, we, we just had to punt, right? We know Tennessee has this explosive offense. And we, in my opinion, at that time, we had to win that game. In fact, like, we, we did kind of have to win that game at least in terms of making the SEC championship game and having a chance to win the SEC title. I still think we probably could have snuck in without winning that game in retrospect, but it was a huge game. Like I felt that in, in that moment, like, that was the most fun. I think Charlie said that on our recap episode, one of those episodes. Like It was the most fun that I had. She said it was the most fun she's had inside San Francisco Stadium. Like, as it was freaking rocking. Even though the rain, it did not matter. Kirby even mentioned it in the uh, the ceremony uh, on Saturday in, in Sanford Stadium. Like, he brought that up. Like, that was a huge, huge game. It was so much fun, and we all felt the magnitude of that game. And did that play win it? I don't know if it won it, but again, it was 7-3, and that gave us some serious early momentum because what do we do? Right after that play, what happens? They punt. We get the ball on the 37-yard line. The first play of the next drive, boom, Lad McConkey double move, 37-yard touchdown. Now we're at 14-3, and the game is over at that point because there was no way with that crowd and the way our team was playing that day that Tennessee had a chance. There was no freaking way. So Brett Thorson, 75-yard punt coming in at number six. And before we move any further, I kind of teased this out the outset of the episode, but I want to circle back to it now. I have some great news for you guys. We have extended our relationship with Alumni Hall, and we are ecstatic about that. You guys might not care about that, but this is actually going to affect you because right now we are offering a promotion with Alumni Hall. It's not a, a 20% off deal. Like We'll have some of those coming up here as we get closer to the season, but right now we have a, I guess it's a raffle of sorts. It's really simple, guys. All you have to do, I have a post on Twitter right now. All you have to do is reply to that post and tag two other people. I don't care who those two people are. 
tag two other people, and you will be entered into a contest to win a bunch of different national title gear. There is a signed football, an autographed football. We've got an insulated national and championship back-to-back national and championship coffee mug. We've got a national and championship shirt, national championship hat. We've got all sorts of stuff that we're going to be giving away for free. All you have to do, seriously, all you have to do is go to Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA, find our, find our handle, and just reply to that post. I'll have it pinned to the top of our profile. Just find that post, reply to it, tag two other people, and boom, you will be entered into the drawing, and we'll be letting you guys know who won. We'll let you know here on the on the podcast. Also, I'll reach out to you individually on, on Twitter. We'll DM you and uh, hook some of you guys up. So you can't beat that deal, guys. I know you're looking for some of, some of that merch, and Alumni Hall has been kind enough to put together this raffle for you. So make sure to take advantage of it while you can. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But all right, guys, moving into the top five, as I told you earlier in the episode, each of these next five plays are going to come from the Peach Bowl. And the reason for that is because that game was just epic, right? I mean, there are so many individual plays. And I'm talking about most important plays, how I define that as plays that if they don't happen, you might not win the game, right? And you can, there's different things that happen in the course of a game. But inside that one game, within that one game, I felt like there were multiple plays that you could at least make the argument that if they don't happen, if each of them don't happen, we might not win that football game, right? So let's start at number five. Now, this is one I don't, like there's a lot of huge plays in this game. I don't think this one is mentioned commonly or as commonly among the biggest plays in the game as some of the other ones are, but I think this is a huge play. And I'm gonna go with Arian Smith's 76-yard touchdown. First play of the drive. And it's not just a touchdown, yes, but also following that, the two-point conversion to Ladd on the rubber out there, huge. Needed both of them, right? Well, 76-yard touchdown pass. The reason this is on the list I know we did not win the game. I know it wasn't the go-ahead touchdown. I know some of you might argue, well, what about what about the pass to AD? I, I thought about that, and I, I I thought maybe that's too easy. I want to go a little something a little different. I felt like in the game, I felt like this was huge. I, I told you guys after after we scored that touchdown with with AD, I'm just sitting there like it's too much time, way too much time, way too much time. Huge play, obviously. If you want to argue that that play should take the place of this one, I'll listen to you, man. I'm not again. I'm not saying I'm right. This is just me. It's just my opinion, right? So I'm going to Arian Smith that 76 yard touchdown pass where he. I mean, the Ohio State fans want to say, well, man, we got look. You guys got look. He just fell down. No, dude, we didn't get lucky. Arian Speed did that. 
Arian ran right past the guy. The guy freaked out, tried to turn around, and just fell down. Like it's like the equivalent of like breaking someone's ankles in basketball with a crossover. That's what happened on that play. That's Arian's speed. That's what speed does. It absolutely kills. And at that point, we're down 38-27. We need two touchdowns, guys. We need two touchdowns, or maybe a a, a, two, a touchdown, two point conversion, a field goal. Like that's what we need. Eight forty one left in the game. Time is not on our side. Not only do we need to score twice to even tie the game or take the lead if it's two touchdowns, we also got to stop Ohio State. And guys, you know, they had 38 points at that point. We had not done a great job of stopping them. They've been carving us up through the air all game long. Time is not on our side. We had to have a, a quick score. Now, I was saying as soon as we started that drive in my head, like, we got to score quick. I, I wasn't thinking like one play, seven, six yards, like, but we got to like, we got to get on. We need to go no huddle here. Like, we cannot be wasting time. And sure enough, 76 yards later, one play, boom, touchdown, and we had it, man. We had to have that quick score to give ourselves a chance, and Arian came up with a huge play. We've been waiting for something like that, and Arian's a big play machine. Doesn't play a ton, but when he gets out there, man, the dude makes big plays, so none bigger than that one right there. Then coming at number four, I know a lot of people have this one higher on their list, and I'll explain why I have it. I mean, it's still high. It's in my top five, my top four, but it's not like in my top three, and this is Javon Bullard's just absolute destruction of Marvin Harris. Jr. And this is maybe the most, not maybe, it is the most controversial play of the game. Ohio State fans still scream bloody murder at the top of their lungs that that was targeting. I was actually listening to a podcast the other day, heard Ohio State fans talking about that, and you see it on social media every single day, still, every day, still sour about that. Um, they're wrong. It was not targeting. It was a, it was a pitcher-perfect hit. That's what you have to do. That's how your coach should do it. Guys, that was huge. It was huge. Like, I don't think it was the biggest play in the game, but it was still big. There were 35 seconds left in the third quarter. I don't think it was, at, like in the moment, I thought it was bigger because where I was sitting in the stands there, Mercedes-Benz, I thought he dislodged the ball. Watching on replay after the fact, when I got home, that play did not dislodge the ball. The hit did not dislodge the ball. He was already dropping the ball. He was never going to catch. He also kind of stepped out of bounds, so it should have been legal touching, but you can't trust the rest to make that call. But it did knock Marvin Harrison Jr. out of the game. He arguably was the best player, him and C.J. Stroud. But here's also another reason why it's further down on my list, all right? Marvin Harrison Jr. had a huge first quarter, big first quarter for them, right? But he had not had a catch since the 10-minute, 56-second mark of the second quarter. We're talking about 35 seconds left in the third quarter. Almost two full quarters not making a catch. So I, I had this a little bit lower than some people because I don't think that you can say that if Marvin Harrison Jr. had not gotten knocked out, that we would not still have won. I think there's a, a good chance. I mean, look, would it have helped them still try to win the game? Of course, like he's a great player. But we still had a chance. You, you can't say definitively that if Marvin Harrison does not get knocked out, that, that there's no way Georgia wins. Maybe not. Maybe not. Does it become more difficult? Sure. But you can't say definitively that we still could not have found a way to win, right? And I, I think if some of the other plays that I have ahead of it in my top three, I think if any of those plays don't happen, we don't win. Like w- That simple. I think we still could have won even if this play did not happen. Would it have been more difficult? Yes, I'm not going to argue that, but I still think we could have won. So that's why I have it at number four and not inside my top three. At number three, now I know a lot of you probably have this at number two. Um, I think Curtis did have it at number two on his, like when we did, we ranked like the top three biggest plays of the Peach Bowl. So he had it a little higher on his list. I know a lot of you probably do too. I'll explain why I don't have it inside my top two, but still in my top three here. The timeout heard around the world, right? Kirby Smart calling the timeout, fourth and one on the Ohio State 34-yard line, eight minutes, 51 seconds to go. They snap the ball. They convert the first down. I'm losing my mind. I'm freaking out because at that point, my game's over. Game's over, man. Like, it's it's done. It's over, right? 
They're up by 11. They convert that. They're going to not, not only will they probably score in this drive, but they're going to waste even more clock and we have no chance. We're just going to run out of time. I didn't hear immediately they call a timeout. And then I see the play kind of slowing down. I'm like, wait, wait, what, what, what happened here? And he calls timeout. In, in the stadium, I'm sitting there like all of you. I'm like, oh my God, like that was the biggest timeout in the history of college football. <laughs> Certainly in Georgia football history, right? But the reason I have it number, at number three and not higher is because going back and rewatching it, as I'm sure a lot of you have seen, Ohio State had 12 players on the field. And I do think that play would have been reviewed and they would have thrown the flag and it would not have counted. And they would it would have been fourth and six. But but you never know. Like you don't want to be put in a position where you're putting your faith in official in officials because they get things wrong all the time. Maybe they would not have caught that. I would like to think that they would have caught it or someone in our booth would have caught it. And if, if the refs didn't want to review it, that we would have at least challenged because you still have the coaches challenge and, and we would have challenged it and it would not have counted. So that's why I have it at number three and not number one, or number two. Like I know a lot of people do. I still think it's really, really important because you can't trust the officials to get that right. But in retrospect, I don't feel like it was as impactful as I did in the moment there in the stands. In the stands, I was like, this is the biggest play that's ever happened. And now I, I still think it's a huge play, just not as big, but still certainly big enough to be inside my top three. Then coming in at number two, I think this play doesn't get enough love, man. I think this play is so much more important that timeout because again, I think that time, I think that play would have been called back. But Brock Bowers, fourth and six. I'll give you a little tenacious D here. That's levitation, Holmes. I mean, dear God, just reaching out some way, somehow, staying in bounds, not going out of bounds. Yoga been paying off for Brock. I know we do that as a team. Like, we legitimately do that. But at that point, guys, let me set the stage here. 12 minutes, 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter. We are down two touchdowns. Not two scores, two touchdowns. 28-14. If we get stopped there and get zero points, I think we have zero chance to win that game. I, I, I don't think that we win the game. Because... If we don't get the, we end up only getting a field goal there. I would have liked to a touchdown in the moment. I was really frustrated because I wanted a touchdown. And, and what Stetson did, throwing the lateral to Ladd, was just inexcusable. Um, Stet, we, hey, we love Stetson. Stetson, we love you, man. We love you. Calm down, buddy. Embrace us. We love you. But that was a bad decision, right? But uh, hey, we had to have that three. If we didn't get that three, we would have been down nine points when we got the ball back with two minutes and 25 seconds left instead of six points. You guys can do that math, right? We would need two scores. Even a touchdown two-point conversion does not do that. It would have taken a miracle for us to, a true miracle for us to win that game if we don't score there. If Brock does not fight his tail off to break that tackle and to stay and reach ahead and stay in bounds. Absolutely massive play. One of the biggest plays in Georgia history. I think it will eventually probably get lost to history because of what happened later on in that game and how we just destroyed TCU. But man, like let's not let that play get lost in history absolutely critical point like we had to have those points we had to guys we had to have those points and without that effort by Brock it doesn't happen man absolutely huge play and then coming in number one in my opinion on my list the number one most important play of Georgia's 2023 back-to-back national championship season yeah you guessed it the midnight miracle let's set the stage guys Ohio State gets the ball back 54 seconds. We had just scored to take the lead by one point. 42-41, dogs lead. A.D. Mitchell with a touchdown catch. Great, just all-time drive by Stetson Bennett. Beautiful, man. Love it. But as I told you guys on the recap episode after that game, I'm sitting there losing my mind. Everyone's like going bonkers, bananas. I'm a nervous freaking wreck in the stand, just muttering to myself, too much time, too much time, too much time, too much time. 
And there almost was too much time. That was one of the times I didn't want to be right. I did, but I was almost right. Didn't want to be. So they go down the field. 54 seconds, 43 yards in sixth place. 43 yards in sixth place. It's fourth down. Eight seconds left. Dogs up 42-41. Our season hanging by the thinnest of threads. All of our hearts at this point in overdrive. Ball snapped. Kick is in the air. Wide left from the jump as the clock strikes midnight. The stadium is worse than bonkers. Stetson's running around like he's got like he's the Messiah with his arms outstretched out there on the field. Just absolute insanity. I'm going crazy. My shirt's getting ripped off. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what to do. Just craziness inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium, all over the state of Georgia, all over the United States. Dog fans everywhere. It's New Year's. Happy New Year, everybody. The Midnight Miracle. Biggest play in Georgia history? I don't know. It's up there. It's up there. I know the the, the Keeley Ringo pick six, sure, yeah, uh, that's got to be up there too. But man, like we, we don't go back to back. Like if he makes this field goal, we don't we don't win this championship. It's just as simple as that. If Keeley doesn't make that pick, we still could have won the championship. I, I mean, I think you can make a legitimate argument. That's a bigger play. Now it's not a play that we made. It's a play that Ohio State did not make. But that moment, that situation, that play, I think you, you gotta you gotta have it up there, man. In, in terms of all time Georgia football moments, I think it's gotta certainly be up there. In the clock striking midnight, got New Year's, like crazy, crazy stuff. But that's my list, guys. That's my list. Uh, again, I, I love to hear your thoughts on what I got right, what I got wrong, what I left out. I know there's some plays I left out. I do have a couple of honorable mentions here. Um, going back to the, the Peach Bowl, Pop uh, Dumas Johnson, the sack on second and five from our 18 right after the Aryan touchdown. The Aryan touchdown um, cut it to three. They're going down there to try to, to score a touchdown. That would have made another two-score game. Well, they were on our 18-yard line, guys. Second and five, they were driving down our throats again. Pop comes up with a huge sack that puts him behind the chains, forces the field goal, that sets up the possibility of that next drive with the touchdown to, to pass to AD being the go-ahead touchdown. Huge play. And I mentioned earlier, I went ahead and went with the punt by Brett Thorson in the Tennessee game, but you could also include Jalen Carter's sack to follow that up, which I think was actually a safety, but it wasn't a safety, but it forced him to punt, and we get the ball to 37, lag gets a touchdown the next play, boom, game over, up 14-3, so those are some honorable mentions for me, I might left some more out, let me know what I left out, guys, but I appreciate you being here today, I hope this episode, just going back and reliving some of the best moments of this championship season, brought a little bit of a smile to your face, but thank you guys for being here, uh, remember, go to Twitter, at glory underscore UGA, and just tag two more people to that tweet about the, the Alumni Hall raffle to enter into the chance to win all that awesome gear from Alumni Hall, including an autographed football. So make sure to get on that right now. But thank you for being here, guys. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.